Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Lisa, and I'm preaching this morning, and I have been married to that man over there almost 41 years. So I'm preaching on resentment today, and he's given me a lot of material. So I have two children, and both of them think that the other one is the favorite. Now, uh, my daughter, she's easy to shop for, and she has the granddaughter, and she loves to talk, so I talk to her four or five days a week, and my son takes that to mean she's the favorite. Now, my son lives in Nashville, and he's a musician, and he owns restaurants, so he doesn't come up this way a lot, but when he does, I go see his show, or we travel to Nashville to see him. And my daughter always says, when Joseph's in the room, everything stops, and we focus on Joseph, which is true. (laughs) And so she takes that to mean that Joseph's the favorite. See, it's nothing about favorites. It's about loving your child and knowing their personality and just focusing on them the way that reaches their heart. Well, today I'm going to tell a story about two sons And Jesus tells this story in Luke 15. Now, there was a younger son, and he came to his father, and he said, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait till you're dead. Give it to me now. The younger son resented the father, and he wanted the money, and he wanted to do his own thing. So the younger son, he didn't break the law by making this request, but he did break his father's heart. So the father went ahead and he divided up the property and he gave the younger son his portion. Now I want you to realize that the father's wealth was in his land. So that meant that the young boy, he went and sold his father's land. So here the father's pain was on display for the whole village because his land was being sold and he was about to lose his son. Because the younger son, when he sold everything, he gathered it up and he went to a far country to live. He journeyed there because he wanted to sin and he didn't want his father to be close when he was doing it. So after the young son had spent all of his money, he soon found himself hungry, living in a land where there was famine. And he had nothing to eat, so he went and begged a job. And the only job that he could find was feeding the pigs. And so he was so hungry that he envied the pigs because they had food. And it's at this point in the Bible that the story tells us that the son came to his senses. There were many workers in my father's house, he said, and they're not hungry. They have all the food they want. They don't like anything. Why am I dying here of hunger when they're at home and they have enough? So he says, I've got a plan. I'm going to go back to my father's house. I'm going to beg my father, let me be a servant. Father, just treat me like one of your employees. 
So the prodigal son decided to go home, not as a son, but as a hired hand. So he left home and he had all that money and he had on rich clothes, he had on the best, but as he returned home, he looked like a beggar. But at a very far distance, his father saw him coming. And his father took off running after this son. Now in that day and time, older men walked with dignity and slow, but this father, he threw his dignity off. He ran and grabbed his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him over and over again. Now the younger son, he's stunned by this embrace. And he's just thinking, I got to tell him, I've got to get my speech and give it to him. He said, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I only deserve to be a hired hand. I don't deserve to be your son. But before the son could even get his whole speech out, the father interrupted him and said, son, you're home. And he looked at the servants and he said, go get him the best robe. Bring him my robe. Go get him the ring, the ring that I give to my son. Go get him the best shoes. You see, the prodigal wasn't going to go to that party in rags. The father would not allow him to be disrespected at the party. So the father is ensuring that everyone will look at his wayward son with respect. But if that isn't enough, he tells the servants, go kill the fatted calf. A fatted calf would fill over, feed over 100, 150 people. So he's throwing this big party and he says, because my beloved son was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he's found, we have to celebrate his return with joy. I want you to see that the theme in Luke 15 is a party. And the, there are three parables in this story, in this chapter. And the first parable is about the lost sheep. And there are 99 sheep, and this man loses one sheep. So he leaves the 99, and he goes finds that one sheep. And he looks for him everywhere. And when he finds that sheep, he puts him on his shoulder. He takes him home, and he goes, gathers all his friends, and says, come have a party with me. I had lost the one sheep, but he is found. Come celebrate with me. The next parable is about a woman, and she had 10 coins, and she loses one. So she sweeps out her whole house. She looks in every nook and cranny till she finds that one lost coin. And she tells all of her friends, come, come be with me. I'm going to have a party. I found the one lost coin. So one lost sheep out of 99, woo, there's a party. One lost coin out of 10, yay, there's a party. One lost son out of two, and the father throws the biggest party you've ever seen. But there's one who doesn't want to come to the party. And in verses 27 through 32, we read about the one who doesn't want to come. So it says, now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard music and celebrating and dancing. He called over one of the servants and he asked, what is going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father's throwing a huge party to celebrate his homecoming. The older brother became angry 
and he refused to go in and celebrate. So the father came out and he pleaded with him, come, please, enjoy the feast with us. The son said, Father, listen, how many years have I worked like a slave for you? I've performed every duty you've ever asked as a faithful son, and I've never disobeyed you. How can I enjoy this party for my brother? You've never thrown a party for me. Never once have you even given me a goat so that I could have a feast and celebrate with my friends like you're doing with a son of yours now. Look at him. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living, and you're throwing him a feast to celebrate. You're throwing a party for him. The father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. You were once He was once dead and gone, but now he's alive and back again with us. He was lost, but now he is found. You see, as I've read this story to you, I want you to realize there are two pig pens in this story. The older brother, he's lost in the pig pen of resentment. He's all alone with his bad attitude, his self-righteousness, his his. He's just wallowing in this resentfulness. And the parable shows us that it takes just as long to come back from the pig pen of resentment as it takes to come back from the pig pen of sin and crazy living. You see the story showing us two kinds of lostness. The younger son is lost as he attempts to throw off all the constraints of religion. But the older son is lost in resentment as he tries to keep religion. The lostness of the younger son, that's easy to see. He goes off to the far country. He misuses his money, his time, his father, his own body. And what he did was wrong, and he knew it. That's why he went to a far country, far away from the father to do it. But the lostness of the older brother, that's so much harder to see. This is what Henry Nouwen says. The lostness of the elder brother is much harder to identify. After all, he did all the right things. He was obedient. He likely considered himself the model son. Outwardly, the elder son was faultless. But when he was confronted by his father's joy at the return of his younger brother, a dark power erupts in him and boils to the surface. Suddenly, there becomes glaringly visible a resentful, proud, unkind, selfish person, one that has remained deeply hidden, even though it had been growing stronger and more powerful all these years. Resentment is a really powerful emotion. It's the reason why the brother won't come to the party. Resentment is this feeling of indignation. I've been slighted. I've been wronged. I've been insulted. I've been injured. It can be directed towards people, families, churches, denominations, political parties, and races. Resentment is the re-experiencing of past injustices. Some people, like the older brother, hold resentment for years. Resentment is a grudge that keeps on growing. 
It eats up so much of our thought life. It gobbles up all of our mental energy. It's exhausting, resentment. When you are holding on to resentment, you are reconfirming and stockpiling all the ways you have been treated unfairly. It's like a miser counting his gold is a resentful person counting all the wrongs. Resentment collects all these other negative emotions. That's what a psychologist I read said. It's like a chain emotion. So resentment connects you and chains you to anger, disappointment, discouragement, lust, envy, pride, even rage. Resentment ruins relationships. It destroys marriages. Many people have the same argument over and over and over again in their marriage. It's that unhealthy cycle of bottled up emotions and then resentment and outburst of rage. Where do we see resentment most clearly in the Bible? In sibling rivalry. We can see it in Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers. Remember Rachel and Leah, sisters married to the same husband. But I think nowhere do you see resentment better than between these two brothers. And remember, resentment is a grudge that grows. So it started off, the older brother had resentment to his younger brother, but it has grown to now he resents and hates his father. Now I want you to see anger is this hot emotion. It screams, it yells, it emotes. And for a lot of people, once they scream and yell and have expressed the anger, they let it go. That's how my husband is. <laughs> Resentment, though, is a cold emotion. It's anger gone cold. It goes cold because the hot anger hasn't been acknowledged. And unexpressed anger breeds resentment. When we feel like we've been unseen, unloved, unheard, then we hold on to the resentment. It's like it's a good friend. It's like we nurse it, and in some odd way, we even think it might comfort us. Resentment leaves us unable to celebrate. It leaves us unable to, to join the party. That's why I've set this table before you, because you've got to remember there's a party. And so the son hears the dancing and the music, but he, it doesn't pull him in. It makes him furious. And no matter how hard the father pleads, the son won't come in. The older brother, he won't celebrate his younger brother's return. Now, here's what I think. I don't think the older brother is mad that the younger brother has come back home. I just think he wanted the younger brother to come back like a slave. He wanted to come back with his tail between his legs. You see, resentment enslaves you, and then you like to watch other people enslaved. And there's a problem for the older brother. You see, in the father's house, no one lives like a slave. The father only allows sons and daughters to live in his house. This is the amazing, reckless love of the father. 
he invites the prodigal back and says, let's have a party. And that's more than the older son can handle. He's angry, he's livid, and he refuses to go in. Remember, the father threw off his dignity and ran after the prodigal? The father throws off his dignity, and he goes out to the older son, and he pleads with him, come on in, come join me. I've saved a seat for you at the party. But the elder son, he doesn't recognize that humility, and he begins to angrily complain. You see, resentment has this inner bitter dialogue. It rehearses and replays all the wrongs. Resentment frames things like a competition. When you hear this brother complaining, he says to this dad, I worked like a slave for you for years. I performed every duty for you. So why are you having a party for him and you didn't have one for me? You are not a loyal father. I'm the faithful one. Resentment is a competition. And competition is really bad if you're in a family. It destroys families. When love is a competition, we're all in trouble. But this father's response, it's amazing. He answers his son affectionately. And even though his son has given him this bitter speech, he says, my son, you're always with me by my side, and everything I have is yours. So Henry Nouwen's been my teacher about this parable, and here's what he says about the older son. The harsh and bitter reproaches of the son are not met with words of judgment, there's no recrimination or accusation. The father does not defend himself or even comment on the elder son's behavior. The father moves directly beyond all evaluations to express and stress his intimate relationship with his son when he says, you are always with me. The father's declaration of unqualified love eliminates any possibility that the younger son is more loved than the older the elder son has never left the house. The father has shared everything with him. He has made him part of his daily life, keeping nothing from him. All I have is yours, he says. There can be no clearer statement of the father's unlimited love for his elder son. Thus, the father's unreserved, unlimited love is offered wholly and equally to both sons. The rest of the father's response is a defense of joy. He has to, this, this is so sad to me, he has to defend himself before his son for being joyful at the younger son's return. You know, the shepherd who went to look for that one lost sheep, he didn't have to defend himself. The woman who found a coin in her house, no one questioned her that she was throwing a party. But here we see the father having to say to his son, no, we have to celebrate. No, we have to have a party. Can't you see? Jesus was telling this parable, and Pharisees were murmuring. And Jesus was 
and they were complaining because Jesus was eating with sinners. So Jesus told these three parables about the one lost sheep that he loved, the one lost coin that he loved, and the one lost son that he loved. And he said, I'm always willing to throw a party when that which is lost is found. Here's an even sadder part, brothers and sisters. Jesus leaves this story unfinished. We don't know what the older son does. The father, see, he doesn't only want the younger son to come back home. He wants the older son to come back with him to the party. The elder son needs to be found just as much as the younger son. And we're left wondering, will the elder son, will he come to the party? Or will he remain stuck in bitterness and resentment? So during the Discern series, as I was doing these examine questions, and examine questions are this type of positive question and daily negative question that you ask yourself to reflect. So here's an example of what an examine question is. It says, when today, when did I have the deepest sense of connection to God? And then today, when did I have the least sense of connection to God? So I practiced these examine questions with a group of women. And I thought, great, this is going to be exciting. I'm going to practice with a group of women how to discern better. Only I found out when I was asking these questions, that negative question just kept getting to me. I didn't realize how negative I could be. I often realize now how I ran from that negative. So what I learned while I was doing these questions was that there was a lot of pride and a lot of resentment in me. One of the problems I told you early is resentment is a cold emotion. It's harder to see. And so I want you to know I believe in forgiveness. Forgiveness has changed my life. I wouldn't be here before you and I wouldn't be married if I hadn't learned how to deeply forgive. But I waited till I got really angry, until I was spilling out in rage before I would recognize I'm angry, I need to let this go. And by daily asking myself that negative question, I realized I'd been storing up grudges and wrongs, slights, and I need to recognize them, and I don't need to hold them this long anymore because they're like a poison. Resentment is a negative storage system. It's like the miser I told you about, counting their wrongs. It's an evil accounting ledger where we put all the offensive things that people have done to us. And that list, that list hidden in our hearts is poison. So here's what Henry Nouwen says again. Moving away from resentment requires moving towards something more life-giving. And something, that something is the attitude of gratitude. Resentment blocks action. Gratitude lets us move forward towards new possibilities. 
Resentments make us cling to negative feelings. Gratitude allows us to let go. Resentment makes us prisoners of our passion. Gratitude helps us transcend our compulsions and follow our vocation. Resentment exhausts us by complicated jealousies and ambiguities, stirring up destructive desires for revenge. Gratitude takes our fatigue away and gives us new vitality and enthusiasm. Resentment entangles us in endless distractions, pulling us down to banal preoccupations. Gratitude anchors our deepest self beyond this world and allows us to be involved without losing ourselves. If resentment is a negative storage system, gratitude is a positive storage system. See, I need that positive. If I'm going to battle the negative, I have to have something positive to hold on to. So as I was practicing these examined questions with a group of ladies, one of the women had this beautiful picture. She said, it's like we have a spiritual bank account, a little piggy bank, and God keeps dropping these love coins in our banks. <laughs> I love that. And it fits so perfectly with the prodigal son because wealth was important to both of these boys. The younger son took his wealth and he used it in a cruel way. He hurt his father and he squandered his wealth on parties and women. But the older son, he stored up his wealth resentfully and he used it as a weapon and as a test of loyalty. But the one in this story who I love is the father. He spent himself for his sons. He gave everything to those boys. Resentment and gratitude cannot coexist. So I ask you today, what are you storing up? My next question is, where are you drifting? And Mike mentioned a quote by uh, Margaret Silf last week and talking about you can drift in this direction or drift in that, but I want to skip the quote, Mike, and move a little faster. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See, you are either drifting towards God or you are drifting away from him. The older son drifted away, but it was in his heart. The younger son drifted away, and he moved far away. Today, you have to know where are you drifting. See, we, we use these resentful explanations for the painful things that happen to our life. And sometimes they're inaccurate, sometimes they're not. But we say, the world sucks. I'm a loser. Or I'm married to an abuser. I've, all of this feels bad, but sometimes we think it feels better than just sitting in the pain and saying, oh, God, what is happening, and just feeling it. So we're like the older brother, because what did the older brother said? You never throw a party for me. I slave for you all these years. And we hold on to these awful declarations. You see, resentment is embedded with these bad emotions, Anxiety and resentment say, we can't pay our bills because my spoiled spouse, she spent all the money. Frustration and resentment says nothing works the way it should. It works for everyone else, but not for me. 
failure and resentment, nobody gives me a break. It's their fault that I failed. We choose resentment just like the older son did. And I'm asking you today, where is resentment causing you to drift? The third question I want to ask you is, what weeds do you need to deal with? I think resentment's like a weed. It multiplies, takes over our garden. It suffocates the flowers and the vegetables. Sometimes weeds take over the garden fast. Sometimes they slowly just begin to take over everything. And Hebrews 12 explains it like this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance and rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Remember, we see resentment in the Bible in sibling rivalry. Here we have Jacob and Esau. And the Bible calls it here a bitter root, a weed. So um, I have this story about this man that really hurt Mike and I here at the church. And we loved him. I'd have to say I think I still love this man. But he left the church and he was angry. And uh, I chose to to forgive him. And he criticized us. And I realized I couldn't live with that bitterness, so I had to forgive this man. The problem is, over the years, when I go through, you know, examining my heart, and I'm asking, Lord, who do I need to forgive? His name often comes back up again to me. And this is what I think I've learned. I've, I've struggled with anxiety, and I've learned that anxiety is fear, projected into the future. So the forgiveness I did with this man was real, but I am projecting into the future that he's still criticizing me. See? And I looked at it, I'm like, this is crazy. (laughs) I'm trying to forgive somebody for something that I don't even know if they've done. That's lunacy. It's a weed. It's a bitter root. It's something I pulled up and dealt with, but why am I letting it back again? See, here's what, there's a terrible weed in the South. It's called kudzu. Do any of you know about kudzu? So kudzu will grow up and take over all the trees, and, and you'll look in an area, it's covered with weeds. Now, I also read that it's called arrowroot in China and Japan. So the thing with kudzu is you can chop it all down, put it in a trash can. It can be dead. But if you drop it on the ground and leave it and it rains and you don't pay any attention, it takes root again. That's what resentment can do. You got to watch those weeds. You got to make no room for them because they'll take root again. Now, as I was thinking about these weeds... You know, there are seasons where you have lots of weeds and other seasons when you don't, right? 
I can go through long seasons where I don't struggle with resentment, but there are some seasons where there's lots of resentment. Brothers and sisters, we are living in a season where there is lots of resentment. You can't listen to the news, you can't read the newspaper, you can't get on Facebook without hearing about resentment. And I'm telling you, we have to be careful. We can't let these weeds have any room. I learned thinking about this gentleman, I have to practice blessing. I have to hold on to something positive so I don't let myself go to this old place of resentment with him. So as I'm closing, I want you all to think about the party. Jesus said he was throwing a party. Now, I have my party dress on today. I hope you all notice. And Jesus is the life of the party because he says uh, in the Psalms that with him is joy, and in his presence is, you know, joy forever. So, uh, Ashley, can you pass one of these to Nitsa? Nitsa, are you going to go to the party? Yes, take a cupcake. But, Butch, I know you want a car, go to the party. Will you take a cupcake? Yes, yes. And Connie, I think you want to go. Yes, yes, and Rob. See, we all want to go to the party, don't we? We don't want to be left out of the party. What does resentment do? It keeps us from going to the party. I want you to look at one of your friends and say, I'm going to the party. All right, now listen to me. If you're in sin today, if you're really struggling with something, I want you to know that the Father is looking for you to take a turn and to come back to Him. And He will run and come and meet you. If you're struggling with bitterness today and resentment, the Father's coming to you right now. And He's pleading with you, will you let it go? Because the Father doesn't want resentment to keep us from a seat at the party. His invitation today is come, celebrate. I'm the party. I'm the life. Don't let resentment take your place. Ashley's going to come up and close for us. So uh, Nitsa just leaned over to me and she said, I'm going to the party and I'm eating the cupcake. <laughs> but when she said that, this is what I thought. When you go to a party, you have the choice to just sit on the back wall and be a wallflower, or you can go and eat the cupcake. And you can go and party. And that is the invitation this morning. When you eat the cupcake, friends, it means that you know, you have to budget for it in your calories, right? It means you got to think about what you're putting in your body. And it means we have to think about the places in our lives where we might have resentment, where we might need to forgive. So you're invited to the party. Would you stand with me this morning and we'll pray. Father, I just, I, I just have this picture that in these 
This phrase that Lisa used, these internal dialogues that we have, this internal storage system that we have, that as we take stock of this, we, we almost get to look at all these places and go, no, I'm invited to a party. I'm not holding on to this. I'm not wasting room in my system so that I can't eat the cupcake when I get to the party. So Father, this morning we wanna be people who choose gratitude, who choose to bless and not curse, who choose to forgive and not hold on to resentment. Father, would you show us the places where we've stored up, where we've held on to things that we no longer need to hold on to? Father, we thank you for the invitation. We thank you for the celebration. We thank you for the party. Father, we want to party with you. You celebrate and you dance and you sing over us. And so today we say we want to be people who join in the party. Show us the places that need to go so that we can enjoy the cupcakes and we can enjoy the snacks and we can enjoy the party. We give you all the glory and all the honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.